Hello coders, welcome to episode 181 of the How to Code Well podcast. My name is Peter Fisher and today we're going to be talking about three particular pieces of, of news that's happened in the web dev sort of world. First of all, we're going to be talking about Adobe and they're now charging for Pantone colors. I'll give you my opinion on that and whether it's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing. We're going to be talking about Twitter and uh, Elon Musk's takeover. And also we're going to be talking about virtual reality. Before we get into that, let's talk about the changelog first of all, because there has been a couple of things that have happened. I haven't really been feeling fantastic in the last few weeks. So I haven't done a lot compared to what I would normally do in the evenings and weekends. I think it's just because of the season that we're in at the minute. We've gone from a really mild sort of autumn and now we're moving ever so closer into winter and things are getting colder. So I'm just feeling a little bit snuffly. So I haven't done a lot of stuff compared to say the previous couple of months. But I will say that we are very close to getting the howtocodewell.net site live. In fact, we are now at the stage where pre-prod is done and each evening I've been going through pre-prod in a sort of a testing, manual testing sense and fixing uh, bugs. We're actually, uh, I've actually deployed 11 versions to pre-prod. So the deployment stuff is working really well. So there's a couple of niggles that I, I just need to iron out. It will be going live and I think it will be going live probably in the next month. I'm not going to make a huge song and dance out of it, to be honest. I'll just do it and then I'll mention it live uh, when it when it's there. I want to have a period of time just to let it bed in. So if anybody doesn't know what on earth I'm talking about, this is the new howtocodewell.net website. This is the platform for me to actually have my own courses on a, on a website that you can enroll into. And we've been working on this for literally years. <laughs> so this side project, side project is I'm hoping it will see the light of day very, very soon. Also, the code quiz, we've got to talk about that as well. We've got some great uh, feedback and some pull requests that uh, I, I'm yet to go through. So that's still ticking on. And I've been working on a way of building the Next.js website and in a way that uses Docker containers, but allows you to use both production mode as well as sort of a, a dev development mode. So you've got the ability to do hot reloading via the Docker, inside the Docker container, which isn't very easy to do straight away. So I've been working on, on that. But as I mentioned, there isn't really any big features that I can mention that we've we've released because in the evenings, in the weekends, I've just been feeling a little bit tired, a little bit rubbish. So not a huge, great deal to talk about on there. but. As always, I'll put a link in the show notes below. If you're interested, I think we've got something like 33, 34 GitHub issues, and a lot of them are good first issues. So if you're interested in Next.js, if you're interested in PHP and Symfony, if you're interested in Docker and stuff like that, there's tickets for all of those things. If you want to help out, then please do so. It's an open source project. Okay, so let's talk now uh, about these three topics then, Adobe is charging for Pantone colors. So this is a bit of a, in my opinion, this is a bit of a rug pull, to be honest. So 
if you don't know, Adobe has this subscription service. It's called Creative Cloud. And I've been using Adobe products ever since Dreamweaver days and Firefox days. You know, the macromedia stuff was uh, has been encompassed in, in a lot of my learning and schooling through web development. In the early, early days, that's what I was playing with, those kind of tools. And this was stuff that you could buy, and I actually bought them. Um, I actually bought an education sort of pack that had these pieces of software. I do apologize. My dog has just walked into the office. <laughs> so the Adobe products are things that I've been using quite a lot throughout my whole career. And then they went to Creative Cloud, and that means that it's a subscription service. So you pick and choose which products you want to use. In my case, I use Premiere Pro to do all the editing of the, the videos. I use Photoshop to, to build all the thumbnails and, and whatnot. I also use Adobe Acrobat Reader, although I'm not sure if that's part of the suite or not. I don't know. And, and some other bits and pieces. I was playing around with Adobe Rush as well uh, the other month. And that's all well and good, but it's very expensive for a monthly fee to use those things. I don't use those as much as say a, a professional graphics designer or a, a videographer or any person in a, in the design space. I'm a developer. So I use those to make things look as good as they can, as, as I can get them, but certainly not to a professional level. So it's an expensive piece of kit for me to use. So Pantone is a company that owns Pantone Colors, and they've had a, a little bit of a disagreement on how to deal with licensing. And so what Adobe has done, in my opinion, this is a bit of a bad move on their behalf, is that what, what they've done is, is they've, they're now charging an extra $15 a month for you to use the Pantone Colors. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't purchase this license, then all of your previous projects, as well as the projects going forward that use those Pantone colors, those the color palettes, the, the collection from Pantone, all the colors that you previously used would just be defaulting to black. So you can imagine if you are an artist that has a huge catalog of art that you've created and you've used Pantone collections, you're a, perhaps you're a student, so you don't have a huge amount of, of income. It's not a business yet for you creating this content. You're just doing it as a hobby. Maybe you're learning to, to, to do this. Now comes along an extra, an extra $15 charge to allow you to actually see your previous works in as good as they were when you when you, you first built them. This is actually going to deteriorate your previous works of art. And I have a bit of a problem with this, to be honest, because uh, the way they've done this is, is, like I said, it's a bit of a rug pull. They've gone and pulled the rug from, from under people. And they're saying, uh, 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 if you want to access your previous colors the way you did before, then you have to cough up this extra $15. This is going to hurt a bunch of people, especially those who perhaps have played around with the Pantone stuff, but haven't used it in every single project that they've ever used. And so just a handful of, of bits and pieces. The way I would probably deal with this, if, if it was my decision, I would do a slow transition and I would offer the users an alternative to these colors, colors 
and I would offer a tool to allow the conversion of Pantone colors to something else. So I'm not really down with the way they're doing this. I think it's a bit of a, a dick move, to be honest, from Adobe's point of view. And this is just another one of those sad stories of ownership of your own intellectual property being removed and, and being put around this paywall or inside this paywall, you know, give me money if you, you know, to access your previous projects in, in the way you did beforehand. So yeah, this is not a great move, especially around the, the sort of the financial sort of, I dare I say crisis, the financial world as we're in at the minute. So these small businesses are going to have to cough up an extra $15 just to continue working as they are. <laughs> so there we go. The next story is around Twitter. So Elon has obviously purchased Twitter finally for an crazy amount of money. And this, in my opinion, is it's a bit of a good move. It's a good move and a bad move. It's a good move because uh, Twitter is a bit of a cesspool anyway. It needs a bit of a shakeup. It needs to uh, have a reset, in my opinion. There is a lot of people who were banned from the platform that, in my opinion, shouldn't be banned from the platform and vice versa. There's a lot of people on the platform that, in my opinion, should be banned. But banning, I believe, is probably a bit too much of a strong sort of, um, it's an absolute, I think, timeouts. The way Facebook does it, they put people in Facebook jail and that jail period gets prolonged the, the more time you're in it. And I think that's probably the best way to do it. It's kind of sort of temporary uh, disabling of your account or disabling of your account features. So I think that's probably the better way to go rather than a, a straight up ban, bring the ban hammer down. I don't think that's a, a good thing anyway. So, I mean, that that's a different sort of, we're moving into a different part of this story. But the fact that Elon has purchased it, he's gone and got rid of a, a bunch of high level people in Twitter. And the scary thing is, from a developer's point of view, is that he's now requiring a feature to be to to be developed at a certain time, by a certain time, and if that time elapses, then the developers or whoever is working on that feature, we're talking about the verification feature here, if the developers, if this feature can't be built, then people will be fired, and that is something that he has said publicly. So that brings me to assume that there is a very volatile and toxic culture going on inside Twitter, which is not a nice place to be, especially if you're the dev and you're stressing over the complexities of verification. Essentially, what he would like to do is allow people to purchase their way into the verified space, right? So they get that lovely little tick to prove that they're verified. There was a story uh, a while back saying, well, I say a while back, the, the things are moving very quickly. So it was only a couple of weeks ago that he was going to charge $20 for this. That then went down to $8. There was a conversation between him and other people on Twitter. This is this is a very public thing. He's been talking about these kind of moves publicly on Twitter. 
Personally, I don't think that's a great move in itself. I think these these discussions need to be done in private and then offered publicly rather than this very sort of slapdash kind of opinion based. I, I don't know, party based sort of attitude that he has. It's very sort of whimsical. And this is actually quite a serious, a serious topic because like with the Adobe stuff, we're now looking at another organization, another company such as Twitter, who are now wanting to charge people who already have the verification status money to be verified, which is a hard thing to sell. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? On the face of it, I think it's a good thing. Twitter needs to earn money somehow. They've got a, a problem with revenue and they've had that for a while. They, they are losing a lot of money and they need to have something to bring in the funds. And if they've already got a lot of verified users, then why not charge them for the privilege of being verified? And I am not verified. I'm not verified at all on both the PFWD or the House of Well accounts. So I can't really say what... A verified, verified, what the verified, uh, can't say it, a verified account will actually give you. But I do know that people who have verified accounts and they have mentioned some forms of tooling that they are, that they access that other people can't access. Your account goes into this certain sort of mode that allows you to have certain privileges and certain tools that other people just don't actually touch and i think the idea of the verification is quite a clever one because it means that that he essentially what he's trying to do is get humans to verify themselves because it's going to be very expensive for bots to to purchase an eight dollar uh thing for every account just for verification i'm sure there will be bots trying to circumvent this stuff so I think this is a, a smart move. However, I think the way it's executed is really bad. I think that the way in which Elon has has required this to be done in a certain time frame really isn't a good way. It's not a, a good thing for CEOs to, to do. It's not a good approach to requiring new features on a platform. And essentially, this is his way of trying to shake the tree of all the people who just won't fulfill this target. And there's going to be a lot of them. And that's an awful thing to, to go through as a developer, to know that you have this time, this cutoff time. And if you don't meet that cutoff time, then you're out. Personally, if it was me, I would just jump ship, to be honest, if, if someone had put that constraint on me. And I'm so glad I'm a contractor because the contractors would probably be let go straight away. It's the full-time staff, the people who've actually built Twitter and had a, a career building Twitter for years and years and years. They're the ones who are really going to suffer on this. The, the people who've put their, their blood, sweat and soul into, into Twitter. Also, I think there's some issues from a technical standpoint. So if you're demanding that this feature is going to be built within a certain time frame, this means that you're going to squeeze all the things that all good developers should be doing, such as testing, such as uh, A-B testing, you know, actually getting a focus group together, working out whether or not users are actually going to use this thing, 
are you going to damage the brand by enforcing all the verified accounts to be to to purchase their the status that they're currently at without actually offering them anything new i would say that this is a bit of a the approach to this is not clever at all and it's weird that it's coming from elon musk but there we go so there's no time for proof of concepts there's no time for for any kind of like hardcore tests of stuff there's there's a risk therefore that it could be potentially exploited right so what happens if someone was to create a an account that mimicked another account that is currently verified right so they have the same logo they have the same name obviously a different username slightly different maybe spelt slightly differently right and then they go to one of these uh, bot farms and they buy a whole bunch of followers to make it look like they've got a massive account right and then they write there's a script that they run that just generates them a load of tweets right so they have this 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 account that looks fairly verified and then they buy the verification status before the actual verified user is a ver- has a verif- you know gets their 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 verification status there's going to have to be some point in time where the current verified users are no longer verified and will become verified once again once they pay for this and it's at that time that crucial period of time where bots might be sitting on accounts that are looking very similar to accounts that are currently verified this is all pure speculation of course but it was just something i was thinking about how these kind of things could happen and because there is such a short window of time for developers to get this out the door that could be a risk that could be a risk again pure speculation i don't know if this is gonna be an issue and there might be other issues outside of this there probably will be, to be honest. But by having this limited window of development time, I just I just think that we're going to be the testers. The users are going to be the testers, and that's not a good a good thing at all. And as I mentioned earlier, this could damage the brand. This could uh, damage reputation. I hope not. Transparency. Elon has already said that he wanted to open source the algorithm. Or I don't know whether this is him wanting to do it or whether he was asking if it could be done but in one of his old tweets he was talking about open sourcing the algorithm if he could open source this code of twitter that would be fantastic and also because he's got tesla engineers looking at the code code base of twitter of twitter so tesla engineers who deal with artificial intelligence and all sorts of crazy algorithms for a car looking at a social media platform the code for a social media platform not only the code but they'll also be looking at all sorts of things such as the deployment process any kind of processes rollback processes all sorts of things and they'll be comparing and comparing notes and and coming up with suggestions i would love to see i don't know if this is ever going to see the light of day but if he was to ever open source twitter then I would love to see the changes that the Tesla engineers make over what's currently there. Okay, so finally, we're going to talk about virtual reality and why I think it's got a bit of an identity crisis. We're seeing the 
the small roots of virtual reality come to light at the minute. And for anybody who's in the virtual reality space, they might be thinking, well, you know, VR is brilliant. It's amazing. I, I use it every day. In my opinion, it's actually the best thing at the minute. But from a web developer's perspective, it's very early days. <laughs> it's very, very early days. So from someone who is sitting on the sidelines looking in, it's quite interesting to see how Facebook uh, went through their whole meta, I should say meta rather than Facebook, um, announced their, their new Oculus and did the demo. And the most interesting thing on that demo was actually, in my opinion, was actually going through the workspace um, scenario where you can you can see multiple screens when you put the put the virtual headset on and the quality of that was so good but this brings me to a point where you've got virtual reality you've got users of the virtual reality space that are hardcore gamers and then you've got the facebook trying to push it into more of a worky type kind of kind of thing at all for work especially as they're trying to tote the work from home and again i'll say it i've said it before i'll say it again I've been a, a remote worker for many, many years and I've never needed virtual reality. <laughs> so I don't think it's a tool to solve a problem. I think it's trying to look for a problem to solve. But it was very interesting. And I do know people who are interested in purchasing the the new Oculus. And um, it was just interesting to see the read between the lines as to what facebook are wanting it to be used for the actual intention of the new uh, headset it feels very much for the workers and not for the the family it feels very much for people who want to actually do some collaboration in in work rather than people who want to play on beat saber in fact it's the, the 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 line is so black and white now because Facebook or Meta, I keep saying Facebook Meta, not allowing children, so kids of the age of under thirteen, to use parts of their platform or their whole whole platform. This is coming into effect on November the fourteenth, I believe. Uh, I'll I'll be people in the comments will um let me know if I'm wrong on that one, but yes, they are preventing kids from using the the meta platform and i think this is quite a an interesting move because this is now saying that meta is all in on the work tool tooling and not in the gaming space for gaming for for under 13s and there is a lot of children out there who want to use virtual reality and we're going to get to a point where the next generation, I think, or maybe the the next couple of generations on, at that point, they're going to be using virtual reality as their first instance into computing, as their first experience into computing, because we would have sorted out the wrinkles on all of these things already. And so like with the generation that happened um, a couple of generations back, where their first experience of computing was the mobile phone, right? And they never experienced an actual landline, the, a few generations on from me, they'll be experiencing virtual reality and that will be their norm. That will be their jumping, their jump point into computing, which I think is very, very awesome to, to think about that. And the fact that Meta, I'm using Meta, not Facebook, the fact that Meta is banning kids 13 
and under from using their platform is an interesting move because I don't know whether that's going to damage the the virtual reality space, the technology going forward or not, because there's a lot of children out there who have mobile phones. And that's a bit of an interesting uh, topic anyway, whether you should allow children of that age to use mobile phones. I'm sure there are genuine, genuine reasons why parents give their children mobile phones of that particular age. But not allowing them to use a virtual reality headset is quite interesting. There's also applications in the virtual reality space that have junior accounts that are no longer going to be able to use those within the Facebook platform. So very interesting. I don't know what's going to happen in this space. Will I get a virtual reality headset? Possibly, probably not until the next one, the uh, number three comes out. I believe that's coming out in either 2024, I think. Again, people will let me, will correct me in the comments, I'm sure. So yeah, I'm going to probably wait for a couple of iterations before um, actually venturing into the VR space. And I will be doing so from a working perspective rather than a gaming perspective, because I'm not really a gamer, to be honest. So I'll be looking about uh, looking at it from the point of collaborating with a team of developers rather than playing Beat Saber. The problem that it's got right now is the battery life, in my opinion. Well, there's a, there's a few things. One is the battery life. Battery life is so bad. Yes, it's improved. I think they've got it to two hours, but you work more than two hours a day. <laughs> also, the headset. It's a piece of ugly plastic. It's horrible. And I would imagine... I, I've used one before and it was quite clunky and heavy. I haven't used the new one, but I would imagine it's still quite heavy. It's an obvious thing that you're having to wear. If it was to ever scale down into a pair of glasses, then that would be fantastic. And I do know that they are working, especially with, I think it was, is it Ray-Ban that they're working with, to scale down their virtual uh, experience. And then we can throw in augmented reality into that as well and part the pass through effects and stuff, which make it really cool. I would love to see the ability to use multiple IDEs and have multiple windows on these multiple screens that you can put in into the virtual reality space. That would be so cool. If I wasn't constrained to the screens, the hard hardware screens that I have now, if I could just look around the room and I could see, oh yeah, on the window back there or or on the on the the cabinet here, uh, I have a prefix screen of part of the IDE and all I do is move my head around. That would be so cool. But it has to be more than two hours worth of battery life and I want to not feel like uh, someone from Daft Punk when I wear it so there we go I've also got a link down in the show notes below I've got links on all of these um, these articles by the way I'll just go through them quickly so the Adobe I have an article from from Wired wired.co.uk so this is about the Adobe Pantone color subscription uh, issues I have a link to The Verge regarding uh, the Twitter paid verification uh, stuff. And also with virtual reality, I have a link from Android Central, which talks about Meta is getting serious about not letting kids play virtual reality. I've also got a link in the show notes below on a funny job interview YouTube video and it's if normal job interviews were coding interviews and that was by Jomo Tech. 
So thank you ever so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If you've got any comments, questions, theories, any disagreements, any agreements, then do let me know. Go to howtocodeworld.fm forward slash contact. Fill out the contact form. I read all of the messages. I was actually going to read a message today regarding a sponsorship deal that I <laughs> that I that I read, which I was just chuckling to myself. Uh, as you can probably be aware, I haven't delved into the sponsorship stuff. I was considering doing it a few months ago, um, maybe half a year ago, but the amount of uh, rubbish, shall we say, that comes my way in terms of sponsorship deals, you know, you just, just thank yourself. Just be happy that I'm not talking about toothbrushes or various things from, for men. <laughs> There was one in particular that I was going to I was going to discuss. Maybe I'll get that out next week and uh, just show you what content us content creators have to sieve through. But I do read all of them. And if you have a question or a comment, then please let me know at how to code. Uh, so how to code well.fm forward slash contact. Or, of course, do let me know any stuff on the direct messages at Twitter at how to code well. Thank you ever so much for watching and listening. Happy coding, everybody. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.